Praise God. Today is the Lord's Day. And it comes around every seven days. And it's a glorious opportunity and privilege we have this morning to gather here with the saints of God, with brothers and sisters in Christ. We can have fellowship one with another. We can have the opportunity to study from God's Word. And our text this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 8 and verse 45. And we have Jesus there in that passage saying, Who touched me? Now, I have an idea that when Jesus spoke the words of our text, when Jesus said, Who touched me? I think that Simon and the others of the twelve probably had to stifle a laugh. They probably kind of snickered behind their hand just a little bit. They probably kind of looked at one another quizzically and just shrugged their shoulders because there's a multitude of people thronging around Jesus. He's being pushed and shoved and elbowed on all sides by this curious crowd and with the magnetic personality that Jesus had, He's fascinating to people and people gather around Him because, let's be honest, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, when God came in the flesh, people had never seen anything quite like Jesus. And sometimes He could say some really strange things. Because here He is in this great crowd of people and He says, Who touched me? Really, Lord? You're being thronged by this mob of people? And you ask, who touched me? But they didn't do that. They didn't mock Him. They didn't laugh at Him. Because you see, they loved Jesus far too much to do that. And yet it did seem a silly question. It would be like coming out of the stands at the end of the Texas OU game and saying, who touched me? Now, if you've never been to that, you picture the scene. The State Fair of Texas is going on with thousands upon thousands of people. And Texas and OU are playing in the old Cotton Bowl, and there's about 90 plus thousand people watching that. And the game is over, and you don't even have to walk. You just stand there, and the crowd will move you. Brian and Matt and I, the last time we went to a Texas OU game, we walked out together. And within five minutes, we couldn't even see each other because the crowd had just moved us around. It took us 30 minutes to find each other. Well, we, we agreed to meet by the corn dog stand, okay? And that's how we found each other. But it would be like coming out of there with that great throng of people shoulder to shoulder who touched me. It would be like sitting in the stands at Memorial Stadium or Kyle Field and saying, so who's watching the game with us today? You see, this crowd's around people, around Jesus, and He says, who touched me? But enter Simon. Ever impulsive, foot in mouth, Simon. And Simon's going to set the Lord straight. 
So he answered patiently, almost like you would talk to a child. And he said, Master, the multitudes thronging you and pressing you, and you're asking who touched me? Simon's trying to set across to Jesus rather gently that the question is quite ridiculous. He's saying, Lord, scores of people have touched you. Perhaps hundreds of people. It's impossible to give a straight answer to your question. But Simon wasn't satisfied. Because Jesus knew that he had been touched and was aware of the thronging crowd that was around him. And Jesus knew something Simon did not know. He knew that one single individual had made contact with him. Because Jesus says, who touched me? I felt power. I felt power go out of my body. You see, that one person that Jesus was aware of that had touched the hem of his garment had been the recipient of the healing power of Jesus Christ. So in spite of Simon's explanation, Jesus said, somebody has touched me. And folks, Jesus took great joy in being able to make that statement. Because, you see, Jesus was always, always eager to give of Himself. Jesus rejoiced when a needy soul was willing to receive what He was ready to give. And it often seems that the greatest heartache Jesus had was that Jesus was so often so willing to give and those that were around Him were so reluctant to receive. You know, I think sometimes that's probably the greatest grief of my Lord even today. Because Jesus has a deep longing to do so much for me and for you. Jesus has a deep longing to do so much for us. And we sometimes allow Jesus to do so little. Here in this little story in Luke chapter 8, Jesus was able to say, somebody has touched me. And that literally made my Lord's heart sing with joy. And yet, if there was joy in his heart, there was also sorrow there. Because in that great crowd, there were hundreds, perhaps thousands, that were gathered around Jesus that day. Every one of those needed to touch Jesus. And they might have all come and touched Him. But in that great crowd of people, there was only one. Only one who claimed her privilege. Only one who availed herself of the opportunity. The door was there, wide open, to a richer, fuller life for every one of them. But only one person 
We sang the song, Faith is the Victory. Only one person had the faith to enter that open door. And Jesus Christ rejoiced over the one who touched Him. And yet, Jesus could not help but sorrow that day over all those folks that were willing just to be in the crowd. Who was that fortunate soul that day? She was a woman who had a heavy, heavy handicap. She'd been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. 12 years can sometimes be a long time when you're well and hale and and hearty and healthy. 12 years can be an eternity when you're fighting with illness. And 12 years is even longer when you're losing that fight. You see, not only had she been suffering from this hemorrhage, it was a disease that made her ceremonially unclean. It seems to have shut her out from the privilege of being a wife and being a mother. She had consulted various physicians, and none of the physicians had relieved her suffering. All they had done is relieved her of her money. And so to the added burden of her illness, now was the burden of poverty that she had to bear. But this woman, in her sickness and in her despair, clung passionately to life. She was not, she was determined not to die until something killed her. And I like that spirit. That spirit of having a desire to live. When I read this story and I read this passage and I think of this woman and her indomitable spirit, it brings to my mind an old black and white movie made in 1958. And I watched it on The Late Show. Susan Hayward won an Academy Award for it. And the title of the movie was, I Want to Live. And it was the story of the first woman who died in the gas chamber at San Quentin in 1955 for her part in a murder in 1953. I can tell you all of that, but I can't remember her name. But one part of that movie that I always remember, as they came to death row, to her cell, to take her to the gas chamber, Susan Hayward grabs the bars of the cell and she screams, I want to live! That's what this woman was doing. She was afflicted with this disease for 12 years. She had lost all her money. She was in abject poverty. But she's still screaming, I want to live! And she went to Jesus because she wanted to live. She was determined to make the most of life. This woman did not make a tame surrender to her illness. 
having made one effort at recovery. She didn't lay down in self-pity and poor health. She didn't become a burden to herself and to others. In spite of her failures, this woman had a fighting heart. This woman that touched Jesus that day, handicapped by illness, handicapped by numerous failures, she succeeded that day in touching Jesus Christ. How did it happen? Mark tells us that this woman had heard of Jesus. And naturally, Paul tells us in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing. Why did you and I touch Jesus? The reason you and I touch Jesus is because someone, it may have been a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a sister, a brother, a preacher, Sunday school teacher, but somebody told us about Jesus. And that's how other people will come to touch Jesus. That's how our friends and our associates will come to touch Jesus. We've got to tell them about Jesus. We must tell them about Jesus by what we say. But more importantly, we must tell others about Jesus by what we do. We must tell others about Jesus by how we live. This woman that came to Jesus that day, she had heard about Jesus. Who was the bearer of the good news? We do not know. Perhaps it was some friend, some other woman perhaps who knew Jesus. But whoever it was, they took the time to sit down beside this fading friend. And they told her a new physician had come. And they told her that even though she had already spent all of her money and she was in abject poverty, that that should not deter her. Jesus heals without money and without price, they might have said. They might have even said, Jesus doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to Jesus whether you're in, in the HMO or the network anyway. Jesus doesn't care. And that person that told her about Jesus encouraged her to give herself a chance to go to Jesus while he was in town. She heard about Jesus and she believed what she was told. I can see her this morning by an eye of faith listening as her friend would tell her about Jesus and I can see faith and I can see hope growing stronger in her heart as she hears more and more about this great physician. And then she might have looked to her friend and said, I believe that He can heal. And obviously, she would not have expected Jesus to heal her without her cooperation. But this woman believed that if she cooperated, if she just could but touch the clothes of Jesus... She could be certain of the results that she would be healed. So having come to believe, she went into action. Are you listening? Faith that is real acts 
Faith that does not act is in reality not faith at all. In spite of her weakness, this woman went on her adventure of faith. She went in spite of her friends that looked at her quizzically and with a cockeyed glance. She went on her adventure of faith in spite of the fact there were some that told her how silly it was. And in spite of the crowd that got in her way, she persisted. She knew how to talk to herself. Remember what David said one time? David said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. This woman knew how to talk to herself like David did. You know what other folks say about us is important? Other folks can use words that weaken us and torture us. They can use words that strengthen us. And land on the wounds that life has given us like a healing ointment. But, if what other folks say to us and about us is important, what we say to ourselves is far more important. Tell me what you habitually say to yourself. And I will tell you what you are becoming. Think about that rich farmer we read about in Luke chapter 12. He had such a bountiful harvest. He said, I have no room wherewith to bestow all of my goods. Had you seen his shrewd face? And the obvious success of his overflowing barns? Would you have called that man a fool? Well, you said he was very astute. But when you hear him talk to himself, you realize that that farmer thinks that he and he alone is responsible for his prosperity. What shall I do? I have no room wherewith to bestow all of my goods. This will I do. I will tear down my old barns. I will build greater barns. I will say to my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine easy drink and be merry. And when you hear him leave God out of the equation, only one word can describe him, and that's the word God uses. A fool. When the prodigal son in Luke chapter 16 was off in the far country slopping the hogs. How did he come back home? He began to talk to himself. He realized what a mess he had made of his life. And he said, this will I do. I will go back to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against thee and against heaven, and I'm not worthy, Father, to be called thy son. Make me one of your hired servants. When he talked to himself in that far country slopping the hogs, he realized what a mess he had made of things, and he resolved he'd go home and tell his father the mess he had made of life. So he left the pigs die, and he never looked back till he felt the warmth of his father's arms. This woman encouraged herself. She told herself, there's somebody that can make a difference. There's somebody that can heal me. There's somebody that can make a difference in my life. 
If I can just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. And so she made her way through the crowd. She got past those people elbowing and shoving and pushing. And she got to Jesus and she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Luke tells us at once she was healed. Like a light bulb that comes on when we flip the switch, that woman was healed. The instant she touched Jesus, the source of power, she was healed. And not only was she healed, she was conscious of her healing. And then Jesus said, who touched me? And you have to wonder, why did Jesus ask that question? It wasn't because Jesus was seeking information, okay? And it wasn't because Jesus was ignorant of this woman. It was because Jesus knew this woman was ignorant of Him. He was not trying to get her to reveal herself to Him. Jesus was seeking to reveal Himself to her. Her purpose was to just steal quietly away and not tell the story of her illness anymore. But Jesus had something better for her than that. So He said, Who touched me? Mark tells us that when she realized Jesus knew what had happened. When when she realized Jesus knew power had gone out from Him, it says she fell down and told Him all the truth. That's how Mark's account reads. Jesus says, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, here's the question. What does that story about a woman touching the hem of Jesus' garment 2,000 years ago have to say to us right here, right now in Center, Texas this morning? We're separated from that scene by centuries and seas and continents. But that story has a message for me and for you that is as recent as the last heartbeat any of us had. Because you see, we have a whole lot in common with that multitude that thronged Jesus then. Because we're often confused. And we're often confronted with tasks that are too heavy for our own strength. And you and I need to be the recipients of the power of Jesus Christ. There are people today that have empty lives that need to be held up to the fullness of Jesus Christ. There are people that have fears and forebodings that cause them to look at tomorrow with eyes filled with fear. There are those who are lonely and need the comfort of a Savior named Jesus who's promised to be with us always. We all come to Jesus with our hungers and our thirsts. We come to Jesus with our burdens and our fears and our sins, just like those did so long ago. 
But the same Jesus who was thronged by the multitudes in the long ago. The same Jesus who was thronged by the multitude when that woman made her way to Him to touch His garment. That same Jesus still moves among us today. He's right here. He's in this place this very day. Because He promised us. Where two or three are gathered together in My name, there am I. Where, Lord? In the midst of them. It's in this book. And we can count on the presence of Jesus with absolute conviction. And so with Jesus among us, we can do one of two things. We can throng Him or we can touch Him. If we touch Him, we must cooperate with Him. Cooperating with Him, the outcome is certain. We can touch Jesus with our prayers, folks. Saints have touched Jesus Christ through prayer for centuries. We can touch Him by our obedience. We can touch Him by the dedication of our lives to Him. You see, this woman in the long ago, the presence of Jesus Christ made a difference in her life. Here's the question. Has the presence of Jesus made a difference in your life? Has the presence of Jesus made a difference in your life that is visible to those around you? Has the presence of Jesus made a difference to the point that you've cooperated with Jesus in obedience? This woman in the long ago, she believed in Jesus Christ. That's why she was there, because she had her faith. That's why we must come to Jesus in simple, trusting faith. Repenting of sin, confessing our faith in Him, and being buried in the waters of baptism. And that's why if we're in the pigsty like the prodigal son, we've got to talk to ourselves. That we've got to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of our lives. This will probably be the thousand and first time I've said this in the last 20 years right here in this same pulpit. But if Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what changes might need to be made. But if there are changes you need to make for Jesus to be Lord of all of your life, this is your opportunity to do that as together we stand and while we sing. He will save.